Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Women's Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Ben Dole, recording this on a Wednesday, the day before the official start of Eurobasket 2019, and on the line to talk about some of the WNBA players that are going to be departing, or that have now departed for this tournament. We've got Jen Hatfield. Jen, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. And you, you put together a two, two-part series over at High Post Hoops on, on these WNBA players that are competing in Eurobasket, and then as a kind of a lead into this, I just kind of wanted to ask you, as you put this together, be on the list, you talked to a lot of people around the league too, what was what was maybe one tidbit of information or one story or just kind of one thing that you kind of uncovered that really popped out to you? So I think that talk, I talked to a mix of coaches and players, and Brian Angler of Dallas was particularly insightful and was very helpful in understanding um, what's going on with the Eurobasket tournament and one thing that he told me that was super helpful was he just kind of explained how the players and their teams both WNBA and European decide when the players will go over he, so he explained so he explained that the the European born players will often go over earlier to be with their national teams than the American born players and that there's a, a negotiation involved in all of that. So I thought that that was really interesting and set the stage for the list that I provided of all the players who were leaving um, and what their dates were, de- departure dates were. Yeah, that, that was an interesting, interesting quote from Brian, and which we saw borne out. And I think it kind of hits, it kind of hits at the dynamic with some of these players, right? Like a Maria Vadiva, where, where you know, you have one year, you might have the World Cup. Another year you have Eurobasket, you have the Olympics, and then all the things in between for some of these countries that, you know, it's for, for many of them, of course, it's not a given like with the U.S. where they're, they're just going to they're gonna be in the Olympics and they're expected to roll and you can only imagine some the pressure on some of these players. Also kind of like a, an Emma Misaman in Washington where they're, you know, they're the, they're the face of, of really that entire program for that country. Yeah, Emma's role has really grown over the years in Belgium, and Coach Thibault has talked about how that helped her gain uh, stateside, and, and her playing overseas uh, in the offseason, she even has a different role than that. So it's, these players are really balancing a lot, um, switching not only teams for Eurobasket, but also in many cases playing a very different role from what they're asked to play in this WNBA. So I, I, I thought Miesemann would be a good place to start, and, and I guess the Mystics as a whole, they also have Kim Mesta, Emma's teammate on Belgium, who uh, who signed with the Mystics this year, and she came over a little bit, didn't play too much, but but Emma being kind of the, probably the biggest name um, among this list of characters, I, to look at it from Washington's perspective, you know, they've they've had this road trip, and, and it is tough to lose a kind of a focal point of your team, especially somebody that can kind of run your offense to give a, take some pressure off Elena Deladon. But, you know, I, I think all things considered still like the, I mean, the Mystics are built pretty well to, to withstand this. Yeah. And it helps that they've had some practice playing without Emma too. She, she didn't play in WNBA last season because she was fulfilling Belgian national team commitments um, the whole year leading up to the world cup. So Washington figured out last year how to play without her. They returned pretty much that entire team this year. Um, and added Kim, who has provided some nice background point guard minutes um, in practice, more so in game for now. But um, everyone I 
Deshaun Washington. She's a really talented piece, too. So Coach Tebow said he, he tried to minimize the disruption of the players leaving midseason by bringing Emma off bench for her first three games with Washington, but she's expected to fit into the starting lineup alongside Lena once she, she returns. Yeah, and that that will be interesting when she gets back because that'll be a little different. And I think I think depending on the opponent, it, it it can be a little different for them because I think in a sense what Latoya Sanders gives them, it, depending on the matchup, it's a little more important with what what she is defensively. But we'll see how that works out. Do you think have you have you kind of poked around a little bit, or have you gotten the sense that that maybe going with what you said that maybe Mesta just hasn't played as much because she was going to be gone and doesn't have the familiarity and maybe. You know, maybe she like has some awesome scoring games, and then maybe that kind of convinces Mike Tebow to kind of make her a, a bigger part of the rotation once she gets back. I haven't talked to him about that specifically. I know, I know, he's been very impressed with her. Um, she originally actually got on his radar when he was watching Emma play for Belgium overseas, um, and she was doing great things for Belgium as well. And so that she kind of got on Washington's radar. Um, but I haven't talked to him about what he expects her role to be when they get back. Um, but in a sign of, of how important she is to Washington, even though she's not playing as much as Emma is, the Mystics have the cap space to sign one player to replace both of both of the Belgian players while they were overseas. And he ended up signing Shea Petty, who can play point guard, rather than playing a forward to, or signing a forward to give them more depth than he, he called it uh, balancing the roster by giving them another point guard in ball handler. Yeah, so so with so with these two Mystics players, Misa Mena obviously is going to be one of the headliners of the tournament, so people that do happen to catch a lot of the Eurobasket games, you know, I think that's going to be definitely going to be one of the teams to watch, and especially Mesta, who, you know, maybe she comes back and doesn't necessarily play a lot, which wouldn't really be a, a knock against her with, with some of the depth that they have. This would be a good chance for people to probably get more of an extended look at, at, at her game, too. But uh, the next next player working our way up uh, the alphabet would be Vani Turner of the Phoenix Mercury. She's she's playing with Hungary. And frankly, I, I mean, I've, I've, I've considered her kind of one of the disappointments of the early stages of the WNBA season. She's struggled to kind of impact the game and, and take a bigger role offensively for Phoenix in the starting lineup with Diana Trossi out with that back injury. So... In a sense, I I think it might be good. It might be kind of a good time for her to kind of step away, and they've they're plugging in Leilani Mitchell to to take up some more minutes, and hopefully when she gets back, um, maybe maybe she she fares a little bit more a uh, bit better as a, as a as a reserve. But the international stage is where she's really signed because you know she beca- she's become known as as Sopran Vani. So maybe this this could be a good chance for her to kind of get get back on track. Yeah, definitely the, the change of scenery could, could do her good as she, you know, plays a slightly different role than she did for Phoenix. For Phoenix, with her gone, I would just be concerned about their guard depth. Um, hopefully Sophie Cunningham will be able to step up too alongside Mitchell. And on January is always a, a tough player to play against, and I think she'll provide that presence still. And then Phoenix will hopefully get Diana Taurasi back, but but we don't know exactly what that'll look like. So Phoenix is kind of figuring out their guard rotation right now, and losing Turner doesn't help. She was actually the last one to leave for Eurobasket. So, um, you know, the Phoenix is 
had less time to adjust now than, than some of the other teams who lost their players earlier and have been playing without them for the six-hit stretch through June. Yeah, they'll, they'll definitely need a little bit from Sophie Cunningham and, and Essence Carson, too. She's kind of... It's it's a brand-new team for her. She's a vet, but it's a whole new cast of characters for her to get used to, and she's got to kind of find her find her niche for them. But it, it, especially if Tarasi comes back anytime soon, I think this is another one where, the, all things considered, they should manage pretty well. And I think, again, just like the thing I would really hope for if, if you're Phoenix is just... For her to for Turner to just really just go off some of these games and just really kind of find find her her confidence again as a scorer because when she comes back I think they they really need that because the, by the time she gets back too like it, even if Diana Taurasi's playing again she might be on some kind of plan where they're kind of trying to monitor her minutes and maybe you know maybe the fifteen range the twenty five range something more on the low end. Yeah, definitely. This tournament could be a really big difference maker for Turner you know if she rounds into form in in the back half of the season we could definitely be looking at this break for her as a turning point and getting Tarasi back would hopefully only coincide with that so Phoenix could really round into form here once they get back to full strength both with Turner coming back and with Tarasi coming back and Phoenix isn't all that far ahead of this next team in the standings Phoenix at three and five as we record this but the New York Liberty are really one of the teams that are just hit really hard with this. A couple players who didn't even start the season with them yet in Maureen Johannes and, and Kia Stokes. And then two more that left, uh, Bria Hartley and Amanda Zowie B. Uh, after starting the season with the team, so I'll, I'll just throw it to you. I mean, what, which player do you want to start with? Maybe it's something with what they'll do at Eurobasket or just what, the, what that, their loss will mean to Liberty. Sure, I think Amanda Zowie B is a natural place to start, if only because she dropped 37 points right before she left, so that tended to grab people's attention, but uh, she's she's a great player, you know, if there was another player that I would pick after Emma Meesman as impactful WNBA players going overseas, it might be Amanda Zowie B. She, like I said, she put on a great show um, in the game where she dropped 37, and she's been a reliable inside presence to complement Tina Charles for New York. So Charles will need to step up in Zowie B's absence. She's not she's scoring 18 points a game, but her field goal percentage isn't great. So hopefully she'll be able to round into form, even if even as she's being asked to take on even more responsibility. Yeah, Tina. Tina's taken a lot of really really tough shots lately. Um, and, and Zowie's so important as kind of that, that floor spacer for her. And obviously that L.A. game was a nice little just reminder of what New York will be missing, but also just an important step for her as a player to kind of solidify, maybe not solidify, but just to take one step further to kind of state her case as a as a clear starter in the league. And look, looking at the perimeter, I think, I think they also take a hit there that kind of correlates with, with Zowie is Bria Hartley is just, she's just another, you know, steady two-way cog. You know, some people might get hung up on, like, is she a point guard? Is she a two guard? But, you know, she, she can do a lot of stuff and she can knock down open shots and, and push the ball for him. And that's that's kind of what they are right now with, with Kia Nurse and, and Asia Durr who can kind of do a lot of those same things. Yeah, and the silver lining for, for New York is that Amanda Zowie was the last one of the four players that New York has in Eurobasket, which is the most in the WNBA by far. 
Um, that would be with the last one. I believe she left on June 20th, um, and Hartley left on June 10th. So relatively late as, as far as these things go, um, but they did have Kia Stokes and Maureen Johannes miss, miss the entire season to date, um, which certainly hurts their, their depth, because nothing else. I mean, Kia Stokes has been reliable the past couple seasons, would have been nice to have in the early going, certainly, and we'll see how she's integrated when she comes back. Yeah, Stokes, Stokes is kind of the easy one to forget about because I think a lot of there's obviously a lot of excitement over over Hanju being drafted and and having that game against the Chinese national team in the preseason and we'll see if 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 Han's able to step up and take a lot of minutes in the meantime to make the most of that. Um, but I, I'm just I'm, I hope I really hope Johannes indeed does come over. Every indication has been that they expect that uh, in New York and that's that's been the plan all along. But just I think it, it would just be an important step for the league to just have another one of these top international prospects to come over and just kind of show, you know, this that that they want to be a part of the best league in the world and that it's it's tougher for them to, to carve out that time. But just to see what it looks like and a team that could definitely use the some, some that scoring punch. Yeah, and Katie Smith will have some tough roster decisions to make when they come back. Um, you know, she's got she's to get that roster uh, to the right size after uh, Johannes and Stokes have been suspended to start the season. So I don't know what she'll do there, but I think the takeaway is that the Liberty could, could change a fair amount once once everyone comes back and they're integrated in whichever ways the coaching staff sees fit. So that'll be interesting to see how they play with new combinations of players potentially or, or maybe give players more minutes. Um after Eurobasket, so we'll just have to watch and wait and see on that one. Yeah, and as Atlanta's scuffling a little bit, Dallas is also down there in the standings, and and you know if, if New York, if Phoenix, if some if some of those teams don't don't necessarily um, kind of rack up a couple wins in a row here, it, I don't think it's crazy for New York to still be thinking about a playoff spot and and to. You know they because they play some of these teams in this stretch. They go down, home home Dallas in Atlanta, uh, at Phoenix, and if they can win a couple of those games, then I think they're they're still going to be feeling pretty good. And they're kind of gonna they're one of those teams. They don't have a Diana Taurasi coming back from injury, but they kind of have the reinforcements on the way. And if they can just get a couple wins here, it's it's really tough for them, especially on the perimeter with their depth right now. But if they can just hang in there. I think uh, I think they can really make you know the LAs and the Phoenixes maybe sweat a little bit if they continue to struggle. Yeah, and even if if they don't end up securing a playoff spot, they could play the role of spoiler for somebody else. I mean, no one who is fighting for a playoff bid late in the season wants to see Asia Durr or Tina Charles line up on the other on the other side of the court because either of those two could could go off at any time. Yeah, and and a, another post player who wasn't over here for any of the regular season games. Uh, she was over a little bit in the preseason. But Tammy Feg Benley of the Minnesota Lynx, she's playing for Great Britain. And I think the what makes this interesting was the, the injury to Jessica Shepard. So now the Lynx are a team that's hurting a little bit more for some post depth. So I think that'll be that'll be interesting to see her get back because we saw a little bit of her playing with Sylvia Fowles, not just backing her up last year and 
in the meantime, the Lynx are kind of, you know, they're trying Nafisa Collier at the four and maybe Christmas Kelly a little bit. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be an interesting, it'll be an interesting uh, period for, for Temi to try to kind of come back and prove that she can kind of give Sill some rest, but also play with her a little bit too. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how she plays with Dantas and Collier and um, all of these new pieces that the Lynx have. The, the Lynx just have had a ton of roster turnover since last season that I don't think people fully realize. I mean, people people remember that obviously Maya Moore isn't with the team this season, but there's just been a lot of turnover and a lot of new faces. And Sarah Benley was one of the few players who um, stayed from last season, but she hasn't been with the team for the regular season so it'll be interesting to see how Cheryl Reeve decides to integrate her and how that adds to the team's versatility and, and depth in the post yeah and I, if 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 not Misaman if not Zowie B I think one of the other real stars of this tournament happens to also be in the front court and that's of course Maria Vadiva of of Russia she's the LA Sparks miss her dearly she she was another player like Zowie B had that 37 points. Well, Vadiva only played in the season opener, but she dropped a career-high 24 points, and she looked great. And I think everything she does well uh, is kind of at a premium with, with where the Sparks are at, trying to figure out some stuff with all their pieces. So it, it's, I think this might, Vadiva might be my top player that just, it, her coming back can't come soon enough for L.A., It'll be interesting to see how Derek Fisher integrates her again because Vadiva's a, a great player, but the Sparks just have so much front court depth that it's really been interesting this whole season to see how that plays out with Dave Wormakes, with Parker, who just came back, with Kalani Brown. So when, when Vadiva comes back, Derek Fisher will have even more front court depth and he'll have to figure out those rotations even more. And it'll be interesting to see whether whether he can do that or if, if there's a limit to how many post players can fit in LA at this point. Yeah, I, 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 I think, I think Vadiva is, I think she's naturally going to rise to the top a little bit. I think it's going to really, I think the pressure is really going to be on Shanae Gumuke here to really develop some, some chemistry with Candace Parker and, and her sister, Neko Gumuke, which sounds silly to say, but you know, Vadiva, it adds just adds more value as a shooter, and she really, she's a really smart passer for and a, for a team that needs that because they they have to work with, in pretty tight quarters right now. They don't always have a lot of shooting out there, and we'll see what. Uh, I mean, we'll, but in the meantime, we'll first see. You know, there's been a little bit of dissonance between I think some of the international observers and some of the some of the stateside media here, kind of continually doing the thing of how good Vadiva actually is and I, I think for now it'll be interesting to step back and just kind of see if if she kind of lives up to that and if she kind of is able to come out and dominate an entire tournament at such a young age yeah she will definitely be a player to watch and I think I think her she started the only game of the 2019 WNBA season that she played the first game of the season before she went overseas and it's it's notable in and of itself that Derek Fisher didn't decide to do the same thing as Mike Tebow did with Emma Miesman, namely bringing her off the bench uh, before Eurobasket so that the team can have a consistent starting lineup. I think, you know, without reading too much into it, that that seems to say a lot about what Fisher thinks of Vidiva. So it'll be interesting to see um, if she goes back to the starting lineup 
if she comes off the bench, what she what role she can provide even when she's not scoring 24 points a game. But that's a pretty high bar that she set for herself there. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. That's a good point. We saw uh, we saw one look at uh, three bigs in the starting lineup with Chanae next to Canis and Neca, and that that they quickly went away away from that. But it's still so early uh, for Candace Parker in her 2019 season, getting back from that hamstring. But I would uh, I'd be I'd feel pretty confident venturing that that they might try that three big look again with Vadiva instead, and see if that could be something that works out for them. But Another, it's definitely a lineup worth giving giving a look at for sure. Yeah, and another 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 frontcourt player on a team that is really tough to know at all what to make of at this point in the WNBA season. Glory Johnson with the Dallas Wings playing for Montenegro. It, it it's been it's been a very rough go of it early on for them without Skylar Diggins Smith around. Mariah Jefferson hasn't been in yet. Isabel Harrison had a couple concussions. Azrae Stevens had one going into the season that they've had to deal with, so there've been there's been so much, so much going on with this Dallas team, and and Glory's kind of one of the vets, kind of one of the adults in the room for them with a lot of young players, and Brian Agler's trying to, you know, instill you know his championships traits for this team to hopefully get to that point some at some at some point, but in the meantime, it's just. Uh, it's another it's another tough loss loss for them to try to absorb as they just try to just like find some level of consistency with just who's playing and who's doing what for them right now. Yeah, I think Johnson's loss might be the the biggest void in terms of leadership that that a team is facing. So, like I said, New York has four players that they're missing. Washington has two, but Gloria Johnson really fills a, a big a big role for Dallas in providing leadership for. For young team, not to mention her her on court production, she's averaging seven rebounds a game and about the same number of points. So she's she's a really important piece for that for that whole team that's trying to get its footing after after Liz Cambage was traded in the off season and Brian Agler came in as the coach. Yeah. So in, in the in the meantime, it's you know the the much uh, the much maligned uh, waving of Megan Gustafson. You know she's getting her chance with the team again. So. Maybe that'll be a uh, that'll be something to watch for if she's able to step into some minutes and not just audition for a future spot with the Wings, but for for the other eleven WNBA teams. But our our next name is one that I'm realizing I've read a million times. I've written it, and I've now heard it pronounced a few different times on broadcast this season, and it's has made things even more confusing. Uh, Astu knew as I've been hearing it pronounced forward of the Chicago Sky. She plays for Spain. Kind of a stretch five and been bounced around a little bit in the league, but uh, what are what are the, what are the Sky missing in as uh, as she heads over? So Estu has been a, a reliable post reserve for them. This is actually a really interesting interview. I talked to James Wade after she had already left and he he told me that he had already experienced her departing mid season when she he was a coach for the San Antonio Stars, and she was a player there and went overseas to play in the Olympics in 2016. So he kind of came into this with a unique perspective, even though he was an assistant at the time, and now he's the head coach. Uh, so the relationship's a little bit different, but he's very familiar with her as a player, and and he, he was talking about how he is familiar with how to coach her and, and how to talk to her, and 
he also has a good relationship with the Spanish Federation. So he was feeling very confident that the team would be able to replace her. And that's nothing against her production. That's just that he felt that his staff was prepared and that his other post players would step up in her absence. Yeah, and the, and the, this is somewhere where the, the Jantel-Lavender trade kind of comes into play because had they not acquired her, it would have been really interesting to see what they would have done knowing, knowing you know, being where we're at today, knowing that James Wade is playing, trying to use Gabby Williams as a point guard. So had they not made that trade, it, it, things might have really gotten scary for them, but they brought back uh, Victoria McCauley. And, but with Lavender and Dolson and, and Cheyenne Parker, they seem to... And even with Katie Lusanelson out with the hand injury right now, they seem to still, they still have enough uh, kind of the, the their top end players in the rotation that they'll be okay. But if if she gets back, I think you know it, she can she can block some shots for them. And if she, if she's able to get her jump shot going, I think she adds a, a nice little element for them. Yeah, and Spain should be a team to watch overseas as well. So maybe um, if if the Spanish team goes pretty far and even wins the tournament, that that gives her a, a boost um, coming back that, that kind of propels her into a greater role or, or even just a few more, you know, an extra couple points or extra leadership or, or something that can help this Chicago team that has already outperformed expectations, I think most people would say, relative to what we thought they would be doing to start the season. Yeah, and, and one team that has been the opposite of that, the Atlanta Dream, uh, have lost Alex Bentley, Playing for Belarus, and it—it's—I it, don't think it could be like a worse match of the skill set that you are losing com- compared to what they need so badly, and that's just somebody that can go get a shot and hopefully create some for others along the way. But without Angel McCautry, Tiffany Hayes looks to have rounded the corner a little bit from that preseason ankle injury, but even still. It, they just they've just been so limited and not having kind of that rock with your second unit where you know she'll be able to get you pretty good shots for the most part it, it's it's gonna think like they're they're on really thin ice right now in Atlanta yeah Benley was starting the season off a little slow kind of like Vonnie Turner so maybe Eurobasket helps her out but in the meantime it's a huge blow to Atlanta which is just really struggling to, to get offense and really get any kind of momentum. Yeah, and, and it, it's created a, quite an opportunity for rookie Maite Cazorla to, uh, to get some minutes at the guard spot. And Nia Coffey's been playing a lot with, with Brittany Sykes, who I think a lot of people expected to, to kind of do a little bit more as a scorer this season, which hasn't, which hasn't happened yet. But it's... We'll have to we'll have to see if they're able to to get some wins in the meantime. But the thing I wanted to close on here was was first to just get you know maybe maybe it's a couple of players that you have pretty close together, but just who's whose absences we've kind of hit on a little bit. But who whose absences are kind of going to be the 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 toughest to swallow for these WNBA teams while they're while they're gone. You know, I think the teams at the bottom of the standings are, are going to have the most trouble. So I, I look at Glory Johnson for Dallas. I look at Bentley for Atlanta. Even Zoe B for New York would be the names that jump out at me the most as far as difficult to replace. We talked about Vadiva being versatile, but, but Los Angeles has such great post steps that I wouldn't put them quite in the same category as, 
as, say, Atlanta with Bentley, just needing more offense desperately wherever they can get it. Yeah, I would I would go with Bentley as with Bentley as well, slightly above for the for the reasons I've said and and Vadiva Vadiva is tough just more as a disappointment just to not see her for a full season because she's still so young and and has so much potential but but I think LA is built a little bit more to uh, to kind of have to have some confidence in what they're in the players they're inserting in her place. So then related to that. Uh, doesn't have to be related to the names that you just rattled off, but considering all the all the minutes that are now available in this little stretch here, which which players are you most interested to see kind of step up and, and and take on some of those minutes for these players that are gone? So can I say the whole Atlanta lineup? Um, yeah, because I think a lot of us <laughs> around the league would would love to see Atlanta just get a little bit of momentum. It's been a rough start to the season for them. Um, but I think in Dallas, uh, players like Azrae Stevens, even even Megan Gustafson would be a great feel-good story if she could get a little momentum in the minutes that she gets. Um, would love to see LA kind of figure out their rotations um, even more while Vadiva's gone. You know, have players like Kalani Brown establish some consistency and, and really positive production for Derek Fisher. Have Shanae settle in. We talked about her. So those would be some of the players that I would that I would point out. Yeah, those, those are those are good ones there. And, and Atlanta, I'm I'm really keeping a close eye on. I just hope they I hope they can figure it out. I don't, you know, the the two and seven isn't isn't reflective of of the talent on their roster. But I think the one the one player for me is I'd like to see Hanju play a little bit, even if it's more matchup based and against kind of some of the thinner, maybe a little smaller front lines and against the right backup players maybe she can it's not as big of a concern that she kind of gets pushed around a little bit but i'd like to see her play a little bit and just get some get some real it stretches you know five six seven minutes in a row and just kind of see what it looks like and i think she can help out tina charles a little bit you know she's probably not quite as comfortable as Zowie b from the three-point line but she's she's really solid from the mid-range and being that long she can alter a lot of shots and i, I think she plays really hard which is a good trade for her but um, you know, they, New York's been playing Rashonda Gray, and that's kind of a kind of another player that hits at what you talked about, where where Katie Smith and and New York will have to make some decisions with with Kia Stokes also coming back. You know, Gray's a player who had to go to camp a couple of different times to finally make a roster, and and she's she's been starting right now for New York, and and that might be a player that's kind of you know really feels the pressure and 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 maybe makes the most of it and end, ends up. Uh, ends up kind of parlaying this opportunity into something a little more a little more long term. Yeah, I think both of those are great picks. Um, both just for the stories behind their own arrivals in the league and, and also for from the perspective that anyone who can take some pressure off of Tina Charles, I think, would be more than welcome in New York, both by Katie Smith and by Charles herself. So she's Charles has, has tied to play Superwoman for a really long time and and anyone stepping up for for whatever reason um, in the post to to give Charles some some breathing room, I think, would be a great development in New York. Yeah. So so these these Eurobasket games, which as I said, we're recording this on Thursday. They we're recording this on Wednesday. They start on Thursday, and uh, for the most part, I think they're going to be available all on ESPN Plus. So if you have subscriptions there, you can check those out um, before or after, or during or after the fact, and. We'll look forward to seeing 
kind of some of the highlights that come out of the out of the tournament and how some of these players kind of step up in the meantime. But Jen, let uh, let people know if you have anything else kind of in the works right now and where they can where they can keep up with you. Yeah, I'm I'm planning to do some more coverage of Eurobasket. Still planning what that'll look like, but when the players return, I'll see what they have to say about their experience. Certainly. Um, and a few other completely unrelated things are, are always in the works. So um, just keep an eye out for, for whatever I whatever I decide to take on next. It's fluid. And be sure to go check out Jen's two-part guide over on High Post Hoops. You can see that full list of names and and uh, read up on, on what all these different uh, people of interest had to say that, that she talked to about, about the tournament as a whole. But Jen will look forward to follow along with your coverage of of Eurobasket and all things WNBA. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks so much for having me. All right, and thank you again to Jen for joining the show today. Be sure to go follow her on Twitter at JenHatfield1. That's Jen with two N's, Hatfield1. And just wanted to rattle off a few names I realized we forgot to mention during the recording, but of course, Cecilia Zandosini, a reserved uh, free agent of the Minnesota Lynx. It's been been quite obvious that the plan all along is, of course, for them to just bring her right back on board after the tournament. And because she was a reserved player, there wasn't exactly a, a danger from the Lynx perspective that she was just going to go sign with another WNBA team in the meantime. She's, Zando Lassini will be playing for Italy at, at Eurobasket and provide some more wing depth for them and a little bit of shooting maybe that, that can... Uh, help loosen things up for them. But then a few more just kind of general, I guess you'd call them people of interest, uh, some some free agents, WNBA-wise, that are names that have kind of been on the on the radar to some degree. First is uh, Alina Yagapova of Ukraine. She signed with the LA Sparks, of course, this offseason, but was indicated that she won't be coming over by GM Penny Toller. And that, uh, her changing her mind, of course, sure would... Uh, Sure would be an encouraging sign and and kind of alleviate some of the concerns about the makeup of this Sparks team and no no doubt she's going to be one of the most explosive scorers in this tournament probably the most explosive scoring guard uh, of the players in this tournament just really strong uh, can put her head down get to the basket and has a ton of arc on her shot but but has been a been an effective three point shooter even off the dribble a little bit and then just a few more Carly Samuelson the Stanford alum. It's gotten some cups of coffee with the, with the Sparks as kind of a 3-4, can, can knock down open shots. And then Reza Mucina was a second-round pick of the Phoenix Mercury in 2018, but didn't come over, and the Mercury ended up waiving her because it took her a while to get her visa. And they kind of did that in good faith to her because she did want to come over, but wasn't able to right until till right about the start of the season. And they already had Camille Little, Sancho Little, and now... Even this year, they have Alana Smith, so they're probably set at that position. But a possible 4-5 uh, pairing with Maria Vadiva. And then Zala Friskovec of Slovenia. I had her as uh, 21st overall on my board. Going for the most part off of the U-2018 World Championships, which I was able to catch up on, which just looked like a really solid 5-11 guard that can score it, get into the lane, and can shoot a little bit. And then finally... Uh, not not the only not the only names to watch for, but final one of this list would be Reagan McGarity, was a third round pick of the Sun in 2019. 
might be a and she'll be playing with Zowie B in Sweden. So funny enough that that's kind of a player that she might want to mirror and obviously absorb a lot from while they're together and might be a player that can knock down some shots and kind of kind of find her way a little bit as a stretch big. But that's it for this episode. Be sure to follow us on uh, at LockdownWBB on Twitter. Subscribe, drop us a rating and a review, and uh, be sure to carve out some time to check out some of these Eurobasket games. Either just pick a pick a specific WNBA player that you want to watch, or uh, or a team. Uh, one of these teams, Spain, France, might be some of the most notable names to watch, and obviously Russia because of Maria Vadiva, and and I, I think. Uh, Alina Yagapova makes Ukraine must-see as well. Those would probably be the two I would recommend circling, but can't go wrong with a lot of these matchups, and will be fun to have another another viewing option, especially on some of these lighter, lighter game nights in the WNBA. But uh, thanks again for listening, and we'll be sure to pop in with some, some Eurobasket coverage on the podcast here on top of our WNBA coverage. So keep an eye out for that, and thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time.